Once the subconscious mind accepts an idea, it begins to execute it. My name is Andrea and this is Adult Child. Welcome back to Adult Child, where we take a deep dive into the impact of growing up in a dysfunctional family. How's it going, my shit show pirate peeps? (laughs) Shit show pirate peeps. Oh, Lord. So today, we are diving deep with Brenda Johnston. So let me read to you how she describes herself on her website. So she says that she is a subconscious strategist an intuitive energetics architect, and a professional F-bomb dropper. So she's going to fit in perfectly here. Also to any new listeners, I tend to say fuck more than the average Joe. So just letting you know. Um, So what the hell is a subconscious strategist? So basically she works with people to reprogram their subconscious mind in order for them to live their very, very best lives. I got connected to Brenda through Tiffany Carter, friend of the pod, Tiffany Carter. And she has been, Tiffany's been working with uh, Brenda. She's been doing these energy clearing sessions. And Tiffany has just was raving about how powerful uh, the experience has been. So I was like, let me talk to this chick. And it's, it's good timing. It's relevant for me. You know, over the past couple weeks, I've been aware of feeling the effects of some subconscious beliefs that I still need to work through, specifically around success, abundance, money. And the limiting belief is not um, that I'm not capable of great success but essentially that I will self-sabotage. This podcast is is another vessel for me to work through my stuff too. So thank you for coming along the ride with this shit show here. I don't have this shit figured out, you guys. I hope, I think you guys know that, but (laughs) make sure that I don't. Uh, Okay, let's get a move on. But first, how about you damn the join Patreon, okay? This is where I host three weekly Zoom support groups, and this is the hottest club in town, okay? Do you guys know that, remember that SNL skit with uh, Bill Hader? He um, he would do Stefan, where he would talk about like the hottest clubs in, uh, in New York. I, I think I need to do like a Stefan about uh, the hottest club in town being uh, the Patreon, but... Yes, hottest place in town, uh, three groups a week. Everyone is so fucking cool, guys, okay? There is a group of really cool people that you could be friends with. So how about you You do the damn thing and you go to patreon.com slash adult child. Uh, you won't regret it. Next, go give me a little follow on the Instagram, on the TikTok, at adult child pod. Last but not least, how about you give me a damn five star rating on apple on spotify this is a non-negotiable okay let's let's get on with it 
Well, first things first, I just want to apologize to anyone whose mom may be named Brenda, because I, I I know Nicole. I, I I have one one listener at least that I know that um she she says and Brenda. So I just wanted to put that out <laughs> of the way. Uh, apologies for anybody who might find that triggering. So welcome, Brenda. Thank you. <laughs> We're excited to be here. <laughs> I had to bring that up. I was just is thinking like the, about that. Is, is that like the Karen thing? Kind of. You, it's kind of like okay. that. You know, isn't it like, you know, it's like a little bit different. It's like, yeah, but but I think that Brenda's funner to say than like Karen. Like you can't really like Karen. That's like Brenda is way better. Brenda is way funner to say. It's yeah, more I'm into it. Yeah, I dig it. <laughs> oh boy. Well, welcome to this shit show. Um, really excited to talk to you. I've been Today, this morning, I was just binging a bunch of your episodes, which a lot of listeners should go and check out because they would relate deeply. Okay, so I made you hold the phone. You said that you've <laughs> had some ahas about your own upbringing as a result of listening. So yeah. Also, like as a result of like your TikToks and the things I had, and like I mentioned this to you earlier. I hadn't really been exposed to the adult child terminology. I'm a Gen X person. So like our generation, I kind of feel like we were all kind of disconnected. <laughs> oh, shout out to all the Canadians. We, we got an O Canada. She's a, she's a Canadian. Yeah, we do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So do you so sometimes, it, do you just take maple syrup baths and just watch <laughs> hockey? You know what? I fucking hate hockey. I do like maple syrup. (laughs) What about like maple syrup baths and eating poutine? Maple syrup and eating bacon. If you've never had bacon and poured maple syrup, and I'm not talking about like shitty processed maple syrup. I'm talking about the good quality, actual, real, like $20 for a tiny little thing of maple syrup and you pour it all over your bacon. (sighs) Mm, Speaking my love language. Mm. (laughs) <laughs> so would you say that that's your favorite condiment maple syrup mm-hmm. maybe yeah okay that's weird i've never thought about that or mustard but yeah i do eat a lot of maple syrup and i put it in th- yeah maybe it is yeah okay. just had another aha moment okay sorry continue <laughs> so yeah you hadn't heard the term you were a gen gen xer disgusted yeah, so like you know, we're, we're, we joke about how disconnected we are. And growing up, like I have amazing parents. I'm lucky. They love me. They always wanted the best for me. They always wanted me to succeed. They were always doing things to put me in the position to succeed. So I grew up in a very small town until I was 10. And I only found out when I was an adult that they had this plan that once I was 10, we're moving out of the country because they don't want me working at Becker's and pregnant. And (laughs) the city. What's Becker's? The grocery store? It was like this little, no, it was like this little like corner store thing. We had two little corner stores. There was 800 people where I lived. Wow. So they were like, when, when she's old enough, we'll move her to the city. But when I was little, like my parents are still together. They they've been married 52 years, I think. But like watching them 
like they loved each other, but they were never affectionate. Like they never held hands. There was never public displays of affection. And so that's what I, I learned relationship wise. I don't even really remember like hugging and stuff. And this leads into my marriage, which is no longer, which I'll talk about. But like, I literally wore like this piece of white string that had our house key on it because one parent would be doing something and then the other one would drive me to the golf course where the other one was. And then I would hang out with the golf pros and all the things and doing all the fun stuff. And then the other one would drive me home. Like I was, somebody explained it to me years later, like good friends of our family who didn't have kids. And she was like, you know, your parents loved you so much, but they didn't treat you like a kid. They, they treated you like an accessory and she didn't Mm. mean it in a bad way. Mm. She was saying they incorporated you into their lifestyle, but I didn't understand. Like to me, I was like, Oh yeah, that was cool. Like they just incorporated me. I wasn't this like burden, but then I recognize now from listening to all of your stuff. So all of the relationships I would get into One, I had massive abandonment wounds that I had to work through. Where does that stem from? I think just not knowing if people were going to stay in my life Mm. from childhood. So like I had friends who would just leave Mm because they would move away because we lived in the small town and nobody wants to be Becky pregnant. Like, So I started to recognize, and again, this was only a few years ago that I started working through the abandonment stuff. I was like, oh, that's really interesting. But when I was in relationships, I would mimic what I saw growing up because that's what we do. We develop these subconscious beliefs, modeling people. So my idea of a relationship was, cool, you get married, you find somebody, you move in, you hang out in the same house, you support each other. But like, I had convinced myself that I didn't even like public displays of affection. I'd convinced myself I didn't like hugging. I'd convinced myself I didn't like holding hands because the man, my ex-husband was very similar to my parents. And he came from a really dysfunctional family, like really dysfunctional. And so to me, I was like, I'm helping him heal. I'm fixing him. That just like, (laughs) well, we're divorced. So, But we were together for 18 years. And I remember I stayed in that relationship at least five years too long. But his family was like his uh, mom and sister. That was very dysfunctional. But his family in general, like the extended family, oh, they were something. Um, They were very affectionate in a creepy way. (laughs) And so we would go over to the house and you had to hug everybody and everybody's like kissing and and I'm not used to hugging. So I'm like, good God, what is happening right now? And they were so close. Like, I, this sounds dramatic, but like somebody in their family could fart and they would throw a party for it to bring everybody <laughs> together. And I wasn't used to that. And so, yeah, over the years, I was doing a lot of personal development stuff and growing and he wasn't doing anything. And we just kind of grew apart. But like, our relationship was so dysfunctional that two years before we got divorced, I bought us motorcycles 
on our anniversary because what better gift to bring a couple together than two separate, separate motorcycles, motorcycles absolutely where you're wearing helmets and can't talk to each exactly. other perfect so yeah but even before him even my other boyfriends I would attract like non emotionally available men and I would try to buy their love because I was also given things mm -hmm. as a way of saying like here here because my parents were trying to give me the best life possible and I come from a very blue collar family so like I watched them bust their asses to be able to give me these things and to send me to college and get me these opportunities. So for me, I then went into people pleasing and I was like a perfectionist and I was a workaholic and I was like always trying to prove my worth in those ways. Mm -hmm. So I didn't recognize any of this stuff until I started listening to you and I'm like, huh because <laughs> to me trauma I was always raised that trauma was like abuse mm -hmm. or like horrific things mm -hmm. I didn't realize that it's more than that and also working with all the people I work with like getting to watch and experience where their beliefs and things are coming from it's fascinating so thank you for those aha moments that I've been having <laughs> Yeah. Um, I just want to say really quickly, I, I so when I interrupted you about the O Canada thing, I did have somebody send me a message last week that um that I need to um work on my interviewing skills and not um like throw in random comments when in the conversation. And I just want to say if that person is listening, that that is me. And I will always do that. <laughs> also, I kind of feel like that's just not, that's how humans communicate. Like, yeah. I, I feel like that's more relatable. Yeah. If this was really stuffing up tight, I don't, I don't think I'd be here. Well, I mean, here's the thing. I always circle back around, you know, like we might detour, but I, I always know where we were on the map. So it's not like I'm going to leave someone hanging. But yeah, that that's just like how I roll. So I apologize um, to that person, but I I will do that at times. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Canada! <laughs> my, I'm gonna call. That's what I'm gonna call it. I'm gonna whenever I do that. This is called my old Canada moments. And then you, now I'm gonna pick up that behavior and yeah. start calling it. That, and people are gonna be like, "What yeah. is she talking about?" Oh, and then man. I'm gonna oh, have sorry, to sorry, just O Canada. Sorry. <laughs> Lord, oh. Lordy, Lord. Um, so you have been having this like rebirth of like leaving the corporate world, transitioning into this. Would you say was was the demise of your marriage and kind of having those was this all kind of tied together, or were these kind of was this like an identity crisis, or this has been something gradual? I, it's been something gradual. I knew working in corporate. What were you doing? I was in marketing. Uh -huh. So I was in marketing and advertising for over 24 years. Uh -huh. And then I was in corporate for close to 14 years. And let me tell you, when I got my 10-year plaque, I almost shit a chicken. I was like, I gotta get the fuck out of here. Like, this is bad. But I always knew I was supposed to be doing something else. Mm -hmm. And so in 2006, 
I actually went on this wellness journey of my own and I was taking my health in a different direction. And I had gone back to school while working full time to become a nutritional therapist. And I became obsessed with like the mind gut connection. And in my head, I was like, oh, I'm going to quit my corporate job. And this is what I'm going to be doing. It took me 10 years to leave my corporate job. 10 years. <laughs> because in my head, I had all these beliefs about Funny enough, one of them was your parents spent so much money sending you to college to do this, and then you're just going to up and leave. One of them was, okay, how do you go from marketing to helping people in a completely different way? So I had all these stories, right? So as I was developing and doing the things, and like I said, my, my ex just wasn't, and that's okay. That was his journey. But we had grown so far apart that yeah, I think it was part of it. It was the catalyst. And I remember there was a specific nutrition school I'd wanted to go to. And I remember him spazzing out because he was like, no, it's too much money and nah, 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 nah. And then when we divorced, and this is how the universe works, I get this random email from the school. I didn't even know I was on the mailing list. Mm. And they're like, now's your chance to register and you go to like, it was a six month program, but then I had to go to Vegas for a week for like this intensive thing. And I was like, ah, okay, I'm doing this. And so I had tons of people who wanted to work with me. I was still working full time and I would help people. And then I would watch them get results and then go back on behaviors. So I was a team lead where I worked. I used to get told you have to lead with no authority, which is so fucked up. But I remember getting the company to send me to all these trainings, like human behavior and team dynamics and all of these like mind-based leadership things. And so I started to get obsessed with the mind. And so... <laughs> I started a cycle of procrastinate learning is what I'm going to call it. I went back to school again while I was working full time, studied hypnosis for a year. I would travel. I would take my vacation days to go do the studying and the in-clinic work. And then I would go back to school again and learn something else and learn something else and something else and something else. Like I have so many certifications and certificates. You could probably spell the alphabet behind my name, but I digress. Yes, I, I was having an identity crisis also because I didn't know what I was supposed to be doing or who I was supposed to be helping or how to do that because I was also such a people pleaser, right? So I was trying to like make everybody happy. Mm -hmm. It's actually a really weird time in my life, but also a beautiful time because I had so much growth. But in that growth also came narcissistic coaches which I didn't even know was a thing until I experienced it what was it that led you um initially into the like the the subconscious beliefs and kind of like the reprogramming of, of the mind what was like your gateway into that years ago like probably 20 years ago I had looked into hypnosis for um, I was trying to find my purpose in life 
Mm. And so I looked into hypnosis to do that because I thought, oh, there's got to be things locked away in my mind. And I ended up not going that route, but working with a really cool psychotherapist for years. And then when it came around time again, I was like, how do I get into the deeper level of transformation? And again, the universe is like, hey, remember that time you looked into hypnosis? And so I started researching hypnosis and I started researching brainwave states. And then I was doing a lot of like freelance design work for people. And I ended up having this client who's, she's science-based and she works with elderly people who's like, they maybe have Alzheimer's or things like that. And she was doing this study about how music can actually like reprogram neural pathways. And it was, again, I was like, holy shit, man. Like if we can actually reprogram neural pathways, imagine what we can do. And so I knew hypnosis was the way to get into that. Mm-hmm. And it was fascinating. And I had to go through the hypnosis program. Like they, I remember being interviewed by the woman who taught me, who also was a little bit strange. They're all, I, they're oh, all a little bit strange and like cringy and they don't want you talking about the stuff and they don't want you exploring any, like any other modalities I'm very spiritual. I'm an intuitive medium. Like I've been talking to dead people since I was little. And I remember her telling me that that was false. (laughs) And I was like, uh, okay, (laughs) sure. But I remember. Let's, let's stop. Let's dive into that. (laughs) (laughs) What was your first experience with that? Dead people or her being crazy? No. Um, I remember having, uh, I thought they were just imaginary friends. I didn't know. At what I, age? I was probably around five or six. Yeah. I would just have conversations with spirit who would show up and see, here's something would you else. physically see them or just sense them? So I physically saw them for a little bit and it scared the shit out of me. And I think that's why I shut down for many years. And I would hear them and I would have conversations like you and I would be having a conversation that I would just be having conversations And I remember my mom, um, back in the olden days, it wasn't called uh, whatever the fuck we call it now, spiritual, whatever. It was called occult. (laughs) So my mom. What? Occult. So it was like dark, dark stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And we had one library in the town that was bigger. And my mom would take me there because there was an occult section because she knew And I only found that this out a few years ago, she knew what was going on, but didn't know how to help me. How did she know? Because apparently this shit runs in my family Mm. and nobody told me. (laughs) And she would watch me having conversations with things and I would just know things. And like, it was, she just knew something was going on. So she would take me to this library where I would spend hours as like a freaking seven, eight year old in the occult section (laughs) looking up ghosts, looking up spirits, looking up UFOs, looking up all the things. And I remember being in school and talking about this to some of my little friends and then being told not to talk about this stuff because people are going to think you're weird. Mm -hmm. Because back then, this this was not, you didn't talk about this because then you're a freak. So yeah, that was another 
moment in my life where I was basically taught, mm-hmm. don't be who you are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So true. Yeah. And, and pushing down those intuitive gifts and abilities. Mm-hmm. Don't be a freak. So I wasn't, I shut it down for like a lot of years. It didn't actually start opening back up fully until my divorce. Interesting. And have you, will you have direct communication with like, do you know who the spirits are or are you just communicating with them? Like, no, I'm very, yeah, I know who I'm talking to. I talk about energy management a lot. And this is the same thing. I hear people that are like, I'm talking to spirit. I'm like, who are you talking to? How do you know? Did you validate that? How do you know you're not talking to like some low level entity? I had a mentor who taught me about this stuff. So I'm very like clear on how to know who I'm talking to. I have a guide named Bear. I go like this because he stands to my right all the time. Like, so I'm very aware. No, no randos are allowed to just pop in. Like, don't do that. So my, um, my old therapist in Florida, she got trained at this. It's called the Delphi. I don't know if it's Institute or university, but you should look into it. So it's in the, um, it's on the Florida or sorry, the Georgia, Tennessee border, but it's like a, it's a a school where they teach all different sorts of, um, like spiritual type degrees and stuff. I went there for like a meditation retreat thing. They taught you this meditation technique. Um, but I went and had, and I've shared this on the podcast. So I went, when I was there for that, I had a a life path reading from this woman and I had never done anything like that before. And, um, so basically it was, it was in between Brian number one and Brian number two. So I still hadn't fully hit my adult child bottom, but basically I just remember being like extremely bummed out about the stuff that she was saying to me about my life. Like a lot of it didn't make any sense. And like the stuff that she was saying, it was like a total bummer. It was like, she was like saying that my purpose was spiritual. And I was thinking like, lame, <laughs> like <laughs> this sounds so fucking lame. And um, I had the recording of it. And then it was like, I don't know, two years later, I listened to it again. I still hadn't had the aha for the podcast yet or anything, but I had started this journey of trying to figure out like what you were saying, like, what is my purpose? And so I had started to have these ahas around my ability to connect with the connect with other people and my gift of communication. And so she was talking about that in it. And I was like, holy cow. And then I listened to it again after I started the podcast. And it is just fucking insane. Everything that she was saying, it was like, your gift is communication. You have an ability to communicate in a way in which if somebody else said it, they wouldn't receive it. They receive it because it's coming from you. She even said, I see you having your own like recovery type groups, which I thought that sounded super lame at the time. And she was like, you will only feel fulfilled when you see that your words are empowering other people to change for the good. She goes, whatever you do, it's going to be spiritually and creatively based and it will be in the field of communication. But that's also really cool because one of the things there's so many like non-ethical readers out there who will give you super specific details. Mm -hmm. And I've had clients who've literally been traumatized because they feel like they've diverted off their path and they're, they're wrong and all these things. But it's cool that when she's reading, she's saying, 
this is what could happen for you. She's not going, okay, so you're going to host this podcast all about adult child. And like, so it's really important for people to know too, like when they're working with somebody who can do that. Yeah. Who's intuitive abilities. Never. We should never be giving. Oh, but just so you know, Tuesday, when you leave your house, if you turn left, you're going to meet the man of your dreams. He's going to be drinking a coffee. Oh, what? You left Tuesday and you went right? You're <laughs> but that's what happens. Mm-hmm. People get taken advantage of because they think somebody else is connected to special information. We're all connected. We just have to reconnect to ourselves. Mm-hmm. And that's where the challenge is because who, who's connected to themselves these days unless you do the work, right? So when you were getting the hypnosis training, was it in a particular type of hypnosis? So um, it's always funny. People are like, can you make me cluck like a chicken? And I'm like, no. So stage hypnosis and therapeutic hypnosis are two different things. We were learning the Erickson kind of technique. It's just the dude who developed it. He has this method of taking you through this really long induction and he's using your own imagination to help put you in a relaxed state. You're using metaphors and visualization to help your mind feel safe about things. So it's like, okay, in a moment, we're going to use your own imagination to help you relax even more. Hypnosis is really cool because what it's doing is it's calming your nervous system down so that your subconscious mind opens to change. It's everything I do, that, the energy, whatever, all the tools, I use, they're all permission-based. And so with the hypnosis, the flow of it and the way I learned it was that the relaxation piece is giving your body permission to relax Mm -hmm. and I remember the first session that I went through sitting there going and I remember it so clear in my head I was like am I even hypnotized is this even working what's going on is this is this actually working and I remember questioning it the whole time and then waking up and you're not asleep so I was came back to awareness you're actually just super focused Mm -hmm. so I came back to awareness and I was like what the fuck? It's been 30 minutes. And I remember driving home because I lived an hour away from the place I was learning and the colors on the trees looked brighter and things looked different. And I felt super calm. And I was like, what the hell? This is crazy. And the more I learned about it and the more I did it and the more I went through it, I was like, this has this, I'm doing this. Like, this is my tool. And then for a year and a half after I got certified in it, I didn't tell anybody I did hypnosis because I didn't want to be judged. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. come mm-hmm. on now. <laughs> I did actually take a stage hypnosis um, thing too because I just wanted to learn how people what are, are they doing. doing. Yeah, what are they doing? You have to be very, you have, here's the thing about hypnosis, any of it. You have to be willing to be relaxed. So my mom, here's a great example. My mom is 72 years old. She travels on cruise ships with my dad all the time. She's very reserved in real life. She's the first fucking person up on that stage when there's a hypnotist. Really? Yeah. (laughs) Because she, in her mind, that is her time to be silly 
and have mm. fun and not be judged because she's hypnotized. But here's the thing. But is she just pretending? No, she's actually, she's in a state of trance. Really? So when, yeah. When I took, when I got certified, she's like, hypnotize me, hypnotize me. I'm like, no, because it's really, you're not actually supposed to work on family. Mm-hmm. And But she, that is her thing. She's like, I don't remember what I did because I was hypnotized. You always remember, like you just do, unless there's been a specific suggestion that maybe you're not going to remember but still we can't make you do anything you don't already want to do so unless on some level you want to pretend to have sex with a chair or cluck like a chicken no hypnotist can make you do it so all of these movies where you see people calling people up and giving them a code word and then that person goes and kills people uh, that is called bullshit (laughs) it doesn't work like that bummer there have been people over history who used to use, like in the war, they would use hypnosis to treat patients because they didn't have drugs in the war. Hypnotists who use it to help um, people getting dentistry stuff done. Like it's a powerful tool. It was my main tool for a long time. It still is, but I use it in a completely different way now. It's more of a bedtime thing for people. I'm like, you're going to listen to this when you go to bed because the last thing your subconscious mind hears, it'll repeat. So, how much better, how much easier does it get to just listen to something that's going to help you have a different outcome? And hypnosis is different from meditation because you're in a deeper level of relaxation, a different brainwave, but also you have an outcome, building confidence, opening to abundance, connecting to your inner self, uh, inner acceptance, like whatever, you always have an outcome. And I'm very outcome driven. I don't like just doing willy nilly shit. Like to get in and get out, let's get results. <laughs> like, so I've been meaning to ask somebody this question. So sometimes when I'll listen to affirmations um, before I go to bed, I've heard several of them say that um, it's okay. Even if you fall asleep, your brain is still going to be listening. Is that true? Yeah. So really? Your brain, yeah. Your subconscious mind is working all the time. It's working 24 hours a day. Okay, but that includes hearing? Yeah. <laughs> and it bypasses your conscious mind. It's even better because you're sleeping. Your, su- your conscious mind is like asleep. So your subconscious is like, oh, I'm listening to all this. And it's interesting because your subconscious mind, and this happens with affirmations a lot with people, you can cause subconscious conflicts. So on a conscious level, you're trying to tell yourself, but your subconscious is like, I don't believe that. So like, if I'm sitting here going, I'm a millionaire, I'm a millionaire, my subconscious mind is going, fuck you are like, no, you're not. And so what I do with people is part of what I do is I teach them this little loophole, your subconscious mind doesn't recognize negatives. So it will believe things if you use the right words. So I can say I'm in the process of becoming a millionaire and my subconscious mind goes, yeah, we are. I'm the type of person that can be a millionaire. Subconscious mind goes, yeah, we are. Or I'm choosing to become a millionaire. Subconscious doesn't have a problem with that. That's why generic affirmations for so many people don't work because there's a belief system there that needs to be addressed first. Mm-hmm. Well, that's like with, have you done much like EFT tapping? Like, I feel like that that's good. Yes. For that's recognizing the negative, right? Yeah. So I started learning EFT years ago with my therapist. And one of the things that I do is based on tapping, but I'm actually using your thymus gland because I'm very impatient. Okay. 
So for me to sit and tap for 10 to 30 minutes, not going to happen. So I've taken elements of all these things I've learned over the years and brought them together. So thymus tapping, your thymus gland is located right above Cleveland is what I like to say. <laughs> so, okay. You can easily find it because it's usually kind of tender. If you dab around in there, it's like, I'm wearing the worst sweater for this, but it's like literally right here and you'll find it. Is it bony? Sort of. It's literally right above Cleveland. So the cleavage... <laughs> <laughs> and I'm glad this is not videoed. Maybe I'll make here. it. Maybe I will know. You'll know. You'll find it. I, I don't know. Okay. Your thymus gland is connected to your emotional centers. And scientists believe, and I believe this, your thymus gland connects your emotions to your mind. The other cool thing is your thymus gland is right around where your heart chakra is. So I don't know if you know, mm -hmm. like, about, okay, cool. Your heart chakra is the bridge between your physical world stuff and your spiritual realm. So it makes sense, right? That it would connect emotions to mind. So I actually have people tapping on their thymus gland. What, just the same way? It's like two fingers or what do you yep. tell them? Two fingers. Do? And I'm always like, tap like you mean it. Like none of this fucking shit here. <laughs> and we tap. So first we identify a belief mm -hmm. that we want to release or an emotion and we start tapping and it's like, okay, I'm choosing now to release this. And this is where it gets cool. So I bring in Ho'oponopono. Have you ever heard mm -hmm. of that? Mm -hmm. Okay. But, but explain it for people. So Ho'oponopono is this ancient Hawaiian prayer. Mm -hmm. It's forgiveness, basically. Mm -hmm. I When I say forgiveness, people's faces cringe up and they're like, I'm not forgiving. So no, you're not forgiving a person. We're usually forgiving ourselves for hanging on to the energy of something. Ho'oponopono literally means to make something right. And so it's very powerful on its own. But when I realized you could combine it with the thymus tapping, I was like, holy shit, this is like supercharging things to the next level. So we will find the belief, the emotion, or the thing that we want to release. Mm -hmm. And we start tapping on our thymus gland. But here's the cool thing about your thymus gland. Tapping on it will release an energetic or emotional block anywhere in your body. You don't even need to know where it is. And as you're tapping on your thymus gland, the tapping is sending this energetic like jolt, uh, force is probably a better word, this energy through your gland to clear that emotional energy. And as you're tapping on your thymus gland, you're helping to repair the thymus gland. You're helping to bring it back into balance. And so we go through it. It's like everything I do is permission-based because here's the other thing. People will try to make subconscious changes on a conscious level and don't realize your body, your energy, your subconscious, you need permission. It might not be safe for you to let go of something or transform a memory. There might be a reason that you're hanging on to it. Normally you get to the root of one and then they all waterfall and you can deal with it. But like when you're tapping on your thymus, then your intention is to release that block or that balance or to rebalance it. And it clears it like you're acknowledging the feeling. We acknowledge it. We say, I'm choosing to let this feeling of whatever go. So similar to EFT, thank you for the experience. Part of Ho'oponopono. I love you. I'm sorry please forgive me. And we may have to go through it a couple of times, 
But when we take something out, we always install a new and empowering thing. This is the other thing I find with people. They take something out, they transform something, they don't put anything back in. So you leave in a hole, <laughs> you're taking out a bad thing, but not giving yourself a good thing. So then it's like, okay, I'm installing calm or peace or confidence or strength, or I'm installing, it's safe for me now to move forward in life. It's safe for me to make money. It's safe for me. Safety is a huge thing with a lot of people, especially if we've had trauma. Safe. Your body and your energy and your mind has to know it's safe now. And so we're also using muscle testing then to talk to the subconscious mind and say, it is safe for me now to move on. We muscle test that. If it doesn't test strong, we go back in and we keep clearing. What do you mean by muscle testing? So muscle testing is a kinesiology thing where they can. So if I have my arm out and I ask a question in my subconscious mind, if I'm lying or I don't believe it, and they push down on my arm, I can't hold my arm up no matter what. Mm. The best way to talk to our subconscious is to muscle test. I teach people the swaying technique all the time, which is really cool. I can literally teach it to you right now. It'll freak you out. But like, (laughs) okay, let's do it. Stand up for a second. (laughs) And then just put your hands like to your side. So I want you to stand there and I want you to tell, ask your subconscious Say, show me a clear yes and pay attention to what happens to your body. Which direction are you moving? Forward. Yeah. So now just wait a second. I'm just going to let that rebound. Say, show me a clear no. That is crazy. Okay. So now I want, we're going to get a baseline here because we always have to retest because it can shift. Now you're going to say, my name is Andrea. My name is Andrea. You come forward. Now you're going to say, my name is Willy Wonka. My name is Willy Wonka. Oh, my God. You just talked to your subconscious mind. That's (laughs) crazy. This is how we get to the bottom of beliefs, right? It's like, we'll say a statement like, I deeply love and accept myself. I know, right? We can say, I deeply love and accept myself. And on a conscious level, you might think that you do. But on a subconscious, because there's been a trauma or something, subconscious is like, I don't believe that. So I, when I'm working with people, have a very unique ability to be able to, with permission, of course, communicate with like your energy and your body. So your energy, when I look at things, is like a mosaic to me is how I would explain that. And I can tell where beliefs might be sitting and I can tell if it's an energy block or like a subconscious belief block. They all go together. And then I figure out which tool we're going to use to help you release things. So I've also been trained in this process called Psych-K, which was developed by Bruce Lipton, Biology of Belief. It's really cool. Talks about how we can get ourselves into a whole brain state and switch a belief on the spot. So I take pieces of that and combine it with Ho'oponopono, or I combine it with like just tapping, or I combine it with other things. And we can change beliefs on the spot and then test them to make sure it's actually changed. So when I'm working with people, the results are like, you feel them instantly. This is, this is what Tiffany has been experiencing, right? She's like, what the fuck? Like that just blew my mind. Like I don't, that was crazy. 
I also teach people how to use their own energy to heal things inside of themselves, to move blocks out of themselves. I don't want somebody thinking that they have to always come to me Mm. to be cleared. Mm-hmm. My goal is to teach everybody on the planet how to manage your own energy, clear yourself, connect to the earth and source, and be contained in your own auric field. Because when we are contained and we manage our own energy, we literally become like little walking healing bubbles. Can you imagine if everybody managed their fucking energy, how things could shift? Mm-hmm how powerful that would be. And when we manage our energy and when we're in the bubble, your manifesting abilities shift, they get ignited. You're able to release things easier because you're not picking up other people's shit. Half the time when people come to me, they're like, I have these anxious feelings. This is happening. I'm like, is it yours or somebody else's? Like, I don't know. And then I ask this question and all of you listening to this, think about this. What do you feel like when you are in flow and feel good? What do you feel like? People are like, I, well, I don't know. Yeah, that's the problem. So when somebody else's energy is trying to come into you, when somebody's imprinting beliefs on you, when somebody's in your energetic field, all of it, which is a no-no, it can give us these feelings of, anxiousness. We should not be letting other people's shit come into our field. I should not be able to walk down the street and read somebody's energy. Shouldn't happen. (laughs) No, I don't because I manage my energy, so I don't need to. But if I wanted to tune in, I would. It's like a radio frequency. I had somebody one day at the spa look at me and go, I'm having a really hard time reading your energy. And I was like, yeah, no shit, because that's rude. And I didn't invite you in. People, and this goes back to the discernment thing, Mm. especially if you've had trauma, you need to be very aware of who you're letting work with you. You never want somebody in your energy because they can literally leave beliefs and imprints. I'm never in somebody's energy. I'm looking at it from afar and it's talking to me. And I'm always disconnecting after a session. But we just don't know because nobody teaches us this stuff. What do you, when you um, mentioned that there's a difference between like an energetic block and a subconscious belief, can you discuss that? Yeah. So energetic blocks can really be caused by emotional things. So for storing in emotion. So if you look at like traditional Chinese medicine, and this is how I kind of got into all of this stuff because I was fascinated by it. Traditional Chinese medicine talks about how emotions can actually get stored in your organs. So your liver, for example, will hold on to anger. I had a lot of liver (laughs) anger apparently over the years. (laughs) And even Louise Hay talked about like how you can heal your body and how the emotions can manifest as others. And it was fascinating to me. So emotions can cause energetic kind of like uh, imbalances or blocks, whereas a subconscious belief is an actual belief. Like I'm not worthy. It's not safe for me to have a lot of money. It's not safe for me to heal. That is a big one for a lot of people. Because if you heal, who are you? Mm. It can bring up a lot of shit for people. 
So then it's about, it's safe for me to heal. And as soon as your subconscious believes it's safe, magical things can happen. It's like, wow, our mind and people in general are used to talking things out or like talking about situations that have happened in the past because your subconscious likes clarification, loves clarification, but your energy body doesn't need that to be able to release something, which is why energy releases are so powerful. Now I take the energetic side and the subconscious side, like a double whammy and we bring them together. So we get your subconscious on board going, it's safe to do this. And then your system goes, yeah, it is. Let's tap this shit out and release it. So I'm bringing both things together and it's powerful. I need you in my life. (laughs) (laughs) Well, like literally I would love to just show you how, like what I do. Obviously I'm I'm on a podcast because people would be like, what the fuck? No, I have like a lot of money blocks still. Well, and it's cool because like when we have these blocks, right. And I always say to people, like, I love doing this because I'm also going through it too. Mm -hmm. We have to develop this high quality mindset because our subconscious is actually the foundation for the energetic signature we send out. It's the foundation for being able to connect into our intuition and our inner guidance. It all starts with the subconscious. Mm -hmm. So when people in the beginning, I call myself a subconscious strategist because I honestly didn't know what else to call myself. I was being called like a, a high performance mindset coach in the beginning and then just a mindset coach. I'm like, but that's not what I do. Mm-hmm. And then people go, she's an NLP coach. I'm like, I, I'm trained in NLP. I don't even What know is NLP? I meant to ask you that. Neuro-linguistic programming. Okay. It is really pop. Tony Robbins uses it a lot. Uh-huh. It's about language patterns, uh-huh. but it can be used in the wrong way by people. Okay. So people can use it in a very manipulative way. A lot of marketing language will use it. Mm-hmm. People can use it to imprint onto other people. It's uh, it's a little bit cringy sometimes if in the wrong hands, but like anything in the wrong hands. is cringy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, another thing that I heard you share in one of your podcasts that I thought was good and something that I struggle with or have thought a lot about is regarding like, you know, you hear when we talk about like manifesting about how it's like all about your thought, positive energy. And it's like, I will have, I will there, I have, I've gotten better, but there will be times where like, um, I'm having faulty thoughts or negative thinking. And then I spiral from there because then I'm like, oh, well, now I'm really never going to like manifest my dreams because I have all this fucking, you know, and you just like go down a hole and the, th- the whole thought of like, you will just, just have positive thoughts and just believe. And it's not that fucking easy. No. See the face I'm making. I wish everybody could yes, see the face. Yes. Okay. <sighs> the, oh, I love that you brought this up. Actually, this is going to be like a 12 hour podcast. I'm down. But like. This whole positive thinking thing, toxic positivity does nothing. It's part of spiritual bypassing. Mm-hmm. It's not acknowledging that you're human. As a human, we have emotions. We have negative thoughts. The trick is to recognize the thought, to be self-aware that you're having it, to interrupt the thought, 
and to place a new thought in there and a more empowering thought from a place of like non-judgment. We are going to have negative thoughts. It's what happens. I just had a conversation with somebody earlier and even when we're having like really amazing things happen in our life, our system, our mind can perceive it as danger because it's like, oh, we're changing. This is scary. You want to make more money, but you don't even know how to handle the money you have. And the challenge with this magical manifestation bullshit that's out there is it makes people feel shame. Mm. It sends them into a shame spiral because they're like, well, why can't I manifest? What's wrong with me? And speaking of that, the what's wrong with me statement, I want to challenge everybody to stop asking yourself what's wrong with you. And the moment you say, what's going on with me? Mm. Your subconscious mind will tell you the answers. Your subconscious mind, like I said, is very literal. So if you start saying what's wrong with me, oh, well, you're too fat. You're too this. You're it will find the proof because you didn't ask the right question. But when you say what's going on with me and you sit there and listen, you'll hear answers like, well, you're disconnected. You're afraid of this. We believe that uh, making lots of money is going to make you unsafe. Like it will tell you. And you know, the swaying thing I just taught you. So if you have something come up and you're like, am I afraid of success? You can sway and it'll tell you yes or no. And then I can't believe I just, why doesn't everybody know about that? Right? Right? I know. And it seems so basic. And it's funny because when I was getting ready to come on your podcast, I went down a spiral because I started looking at some of the guests you've had on your show. And I was like, she has famous people on her show and I'm not famous. And what, what the heck? So I had to catch the spiral and be like, no, there's no proof and evidence of that. And I have a lot of good information. And also my proof and evidence was you and Tiffany had a conversation and Tiffany doesn't just talk about people out of her ass. So I don't know. It's debatable. (laughs) (laughs) But like our mind is always looking for proof and evidence. So if you come across this negative thought, have a conversation with yourself. Say, okay, where's the proof that this is true? Mm. nine times out of Mm. 10 you're never gonna find it Mm -hmm. and I say nine times out of 10 because I mean this is the work that I do and I I'm going through stuff right now because I'm in the middle of a massive up level and I came across this belief that it wasn't safe for me to make more money because then I become a target but the challenge was I had just had an incident where somebody keyed the side of my car Mm. I drive a Range Rover I've worked my ass off. It was my dream car. The first version of it that I had was like a one-off matte black, beautiful car. And somebody ran into it and totaled it. Wasn't even a year old. So then I got a replacement that wasn't the same. So my subconscious is like, look, you can't have nice things because they get taken away from you. Mm -hmm. So I'm come out of dinner like a couple months ago. I'd met a friend and I look at the side of my car and somebody had fucking keyed it. So my subconscious mind was saying, look at not safe. And so I had to work through like this big, huge story. 
And I mean, even Tiffany was helping me work through some stuff because she's also my coach. And I was like, I don't even like, this is insane that these beliefs are even in there. Mm-hmm. I didn't know they were in there because like I said, your subconscious mind will bring things up when you're ready to deal with them. I used to believe I had to heal all the stuff before I could be successful in moving mm-hmm. forward. And that's not the case. We don't need to keep going backwards. We need to acknowledge that stuff has happened. We need to live in the present moment. And even the energetic releases that I do with people, I don't need to know what's happened. Mm. I don't need you to sit in the shit. But what I do need you to be able to do is tune into the feeling for a moment or tune into a specific situation for a moment so that we can put you in this whole brain state and this energetic state to let it go. I can't take the memories away. That's not a thing. What I can do is help release the stress response of the situation or the emotion so that when you go looking for it, you have the memory, but it's neutral. You're like, oh, I'm not having that fucking emotional charge that's like putting me in fight or flight or freeze or fawn or wherever it's putting me. It's like, oh, I have the memory, but I'm not, it's not affecting me. It's transformed into a state of peace and non attachment, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is fucking amazing. Cause I don't know about you, but I don't like sitting in the shit and going backwards. And then sitting in it again and exploring it again and again and again and again. We acknowledge it. We get permission from our system to release it. And then we move forward. And what happens is when we release stuff like that, like I said, it creates space. For us to be able to put new and empowering beliefs or emotional states in. And sometimes there's a process I take people through where we actually speak to a behavior or an emotion to find out what it really wants. Parts integration. I hear people like, kill off your ego, kill this off, kill that. No, you need to integrate all the parts of you. That's how you become whole. And when I was going through that process, I met parts of me I didn't even know existed. Mm. And you know what they wanted? Love. (laughs) Mm. Like, fuck, really? That's what you want? We have core states of being. And once we integrate those pieces, you integrate these new states of being. When we're releasing something and we, we install like calm or peace or happiness, we're installing a new state of being. So oftentimes people, I'll get messages from people who are like, I don't know how to explain this, but like, I just feel really happy for no reason. I'm like, yes, happiness is actually our natural state of being. But none of us really live in that because we've never been taught how. Human beings bond over negativity. It's a scientific fact. Water cooler talk. Yeah, yeah that's why I love. Re- that's why I love Real Housewives. Right. Mm-hmm. That's why Housewives. I love reality TV. Housewives. I have. To, I'm. It's my guilty pleasure. <laughs> I oh, love the Housewives. Shows. We're gonna talk later. Okay. I'm like a. I'm like a housewife whore. So. No, me too. Like all of oh, them though. I started with Orange County like 12 years ago. You Are you like a podcast listener? Because I listened to like six different Real Housewives podcasts. No, I haven't listened to any of those. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we'll definitely talk later. What are some of the um, 
because I know that you work with people on a bunch of issues, but when it comes to the money stuff, what are some, are, are there any common, you know, subconscious beliefs that maybe would be surprising for people to hear? Yes. So the safety thing is a big one that comes up. Yeah. So other than like, I mean, you spoke about it from your perspective, but like, would there be other spins on that or? Yeah. So what people don't realize also is money and love kind of, they vibrate at the same frequency. So if you have money issues, sometimes your love or your relationship stuff will be out of whack. Oh, that, so that explains it for me. Okay, yeah. good to know. So sometimes <laughs> I have people coming for the money piece and then realizing they actually have a fear of being in relationships. But here's where it's cool to have money. Mm -hmm. You need to have a relationship with it. Mm -hmm. If you don't have a relationship with success and money, how do you attract it in? Love relationships? money relationships it's all a relationship and it ties into like receiving so not being open to receiving or not feeling safe to receive so we can give 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 and this is a great way to find out if you're a non-receiver when somebody gives you a compliment do you get all like <laughs> it's so old it's my old sweater if somebody tries to buy you something do you get all weird if somebody shows up at your house with a present you're like fuck, now I got to get them a present. I don't have anything. Like that's just being a non-receiver. It's a sign of it. It's how it manifests. So from a belief standpoint, people are super surprised to realize, oh shit. So it's not actually just about my money. Our money stories impact how we show up in our own personal power. They impact all sorts of things. So a surprise to people is like, oh God, this is affecting my relationships. Yeah, it can. And it goes the other way too. Sometimes people come because they're like, I don't, I can't relate to people. And then they realize as we start clearing that, they start making more money. Mm. They're going, what is happening? Like, what's going on? It's like, you've opened your pathways of potential. My favorite thing to do with people is to help them access their highest potential, their pathways, the possibilities. It's so cool because we all have different timelines and we all have different potentials, but nobody ever teaches us how to tap into it or to see it. And it's very easy for me to see people's potentials. Mm -hmm, but not so well. Yeah. And showing them, it's exciting. Like it's cool. And getting messages from people going, you know, we worked on my money story. And then a month after I stopped working with you, I met the love of my life. I'm like, yeah, it's not surprising to me. I didn't think up until I was like 40, I didn't actually think I had emotions. Mm. And then when you tap into that stuff and you realize, oh, scares a lot of people because sometimes like you cry a lot because you're sitting there going, I've never experienced this before. and I don't know what this is. It's love. The first time I felt joy, I bawled because it was real and authentic joy. The first time, like my partner now, who I've been together with for nine years, I I'm surprised he stuck around because for the first five years of a relationship, I would say that I was not emotionally open. Mm -hmm. And so when I first 
finally let him in and I felt love, I was like, holy fuck, this is crazy. This is what this is. Whoa. (laughs) So when you have those moments of like, whoa, there's nothing better than that. Nothing. Has there been an osmosis effect? Like, cause you, you talked about how it wasn't until recently that, you know, your parents started like hugging and stuff. So has there been like an osmosis effect with them through the work that you've been doing? Yeah. So here's the thing. I always tell this to people. The fastest way to change other people is to change yourself. Mm-hmm. This is where self-accountability comes in. Well, so- yeah. And in like, and in 12 step, I mean, they use the term um, attraction rather than promotion. Yeah. So it's like, first of all, I had to recognize that like everything always came back to me and not in a bad way. Like I had to be accountable for my own actions, but now my parents and I hug, it's still awkward and weird (laughs) (laughs) because like they're in their seventies. So I remember going to corporate and somebody going, I'm a hugger. And I was like, Ooh, and for like years I was like, Oh my God, this is so awkward. Like, don't touch me. I love hugging now. I'm like, hug me. Yeah, I think for me, I feel like a handshake is actually more awkward than a hug for me personally. Sometimes like, now, it's kind of weird. Yeah. I just yeah. Everybody too. But before I wouldn't have even shook your hand because I had a germ thing. So I was like, oh, don't touch me. <laughs> but yeah, my parents and I like will visit and then we'll hug <laughs> awkwardly, but it's a hug. With right? some pats. It's always, whenever it's with the pats. Yeah, flipper, flipper hands. Yeah. That's what I call that. And also with my parents, like we we will, <laughs> and it's funny. So if they're traveling, they will say, I love you. And then I'll say, love you too. But we never used to do that. Well, that, I was going to ask you that too. Did you, did you hear I love you when you were a kid? I did, but not like, not like this. It's different. It's mm-hmm. different now. And it's like, oh. And even I stayed in the marriage longer because I didn't want to disappoint my parents because mm. we have a very large French Canadian family. And I just remember thinking I'm one of the only original cousins who's still married to the original person. I can't get divorced because then I'm a failure, which isn't true. And my dad wrote me this fucking email. Oh my God. And I remember getting it while I was at work. And he was just talking about how proud he was of me. And he loved like all the things he's never said to me in my life. And he just said, keep this. And I was like, fuck. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that kind of just opened up the energetic shift in how we communicate. Now, my mom, every time they travel, still has the talk with me about our will is in the top drawer of the thing. Like, oh, my God. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) Have you noticed a shift in their relationship with each other? I don't see them a lot, so I don't necessarily, you know, that's kind of, that's a lie. <laughs> when I am with them, I do notice my mom stands up for herself a lot more. Like she's more assertive and more outgoing and fun, which is who she is versus being like, I need to be the mom and I need to be stoic. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> she will actually say fuck in front of me now. Love it. She never did that. She would say fuck and then go. (gasps) So, I mean, it took 48 years (laughs) for me to hear my mom say fuck and be able to express herself and laugh and like do the thing. So, yeah. Yeah, I have actually, I guess, noticed that. And even my dad is more easygoing. 
and they joke about and they're like we're spending all of your inheritance and i'm like cool do it because i'm just gonna sell your house and that's gonna be (laughs) but we're able to joke and banter like that and i think just being honest about the whole divorce thing like that was a process i remember my dad having a conversation with me he's like it doesn't fucking matter what anybody else thinks it's what makes you happy he said i i wish my parents back in the old days would have gotten a divorce because it would have been a lot better. And I don't have kids. Thankfully, we didn't have children. I've never wanted kids. But like, just hearing my parents support the decision was also a massive Mm -hmm. thing. They're like, we just want you to be happy. And we never want you to stay in something that's not making you happy. Okay, so talk about all the different shit that you do for people services you provide so i have like a three month kind of intensive coaching that i do with people i only open up six spots at a time so my fall applications that just closed right now but i have a really cool intensive session it's a 90 minute i call it a strategy session because it's designed to kind of leave you about insights with areas that are making you feel stuck or limited. And then during that session, we actually start clearing stuff out. So if somebody comes to one of those sessions and they're like, I'm going to heal all my money wounds. No, but we can do a lot in those sessions. (laughs) I have people do those sessions when they want to hone in on like one specific area. Mm -hmm. But here's the cool thing about beliefs. Things waterfall. Yeah. Yeah. So sometimes one thing we could clear out like, 12 things and those sessions are intuitively led like I do with my one-on-one coaching I'm talking to your energy I'm talking to your body we're grounding you we're making sure you're contained in your own space before we start clearing stuff out I love doing those sessions with people because they're like whoa I always like to tell people when you're not used to somebody teaching you how to move energy through your body after a session you can be really tired So if we're clearing deep wounds, it can knock you out because our body integrates while we sleep. It heals while we sleep. If we're doing expansive work, so now we're doing the visualizations, we're connecting you to your highest potential self, you're having conversations with her, you can feel like you're buzzed and high. So those sessions, um, I have so much stuff that I put out on Instagram for people as well. And like the podcast I do now. I'm going to be having an awesome group starting at the end of the month, which is all about money stuff. It's going to have a wicked Black Friday sale. So (laughs) yeah, I just love, like, how's it getting better than this? I get to do what I love doing every single day. I get to help people let go of the shit and dumb stories and help them access their highest potential. Sounds like garbage. awful i know right it's so bad (laughs) god you poor soul i know and i get to meet meet so many cool people Mm -hmm. like from all different industries Mm -hmm. and it's like whoa this is cool yeah feels really grateful to yeah to do something that's fulfilling yeah because for years i was in a soul sucking job and i was like this cannot be my life Mm mm-hmm It's also ironically how I knew it was time to get divorced. I came downstairs, looked at my ex-husband and was like, 
this cannot be my life. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure a lot of people listening can relate. (laughs) And it's funny because I work with a lot of women who are either in the midst of realizing that or they've left and now they're finally giving themselves permission to want more from themselves Mm -hmm. because there's this epidemic where people, especially women, are not giving themselves permission to want more because it's selfish or greedy or they have to take care of everybody else first. What's that expression when you're on a plane? If it's crashing, you you need to put the oxygen on first. Yeah, that was like really inappropriate when Erica Jane used that analogy during the part three of the reunion. Oh my gosh, she did too. Oh, I forgot about that. Oh, she's crazy. Mm-hmm. We'll get but into also- that afterwards when we start. <laughs> yes, but yeah, put the mask on yourself first. Yeah, like how do you or like you can't give from an empty cup? It's true. And what I say to these women is like so do you want your kids watching you be burnt out or do you want to teach them by example and say, look, you can be strong and empowered and do all these really cool, amazing things. And then when they hear it like that, they're like, Oh, duh. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. come on now. If your daughter came to you and said, I'm in this marriage, which is horrible and I'm sad or I'm being abused. Would you say you should stay because that's what you, no, you'd say, get the fuck out. Mm-hmm. So, well, this has been amazing. I'll put all your shit in the show notes. I, you know what? I'm so grateful just to be able to have this opportunity to chat with you and have a 12 hour podcast. Yes. <laughs> and like just being able to spread the message to people. So, I'm hugely grateful for this conversation. <laughs> Well, that wraps up today's episode. Uh, you are very, very welcome. I need you guys to to try that, um, the sway thing, okay? So I want to make sure, that, I don't know if it was, I think it was clear uh, in the in the interview, um, but maybe I'll do a little demonstration video on social or whatever. But yes, I got a shitload out of that. And I actually did a, a little mini session with her after we stopped recording that was pretty powerful so I haven't kind of done this type of healing modality it's been more I don't know traditional therapy and um I think I need to kind of dip my toe in the pond more as it relates to non-traditional alternative forms of healing so uh what else Oh, I so I had a date on Saturday. It was just coffee. Um, attractive guy, but definitely, definitely not compatible. He couldn't even tell me the last time that he ever had pizza. Um, he doesn't watch any TV at all. I don't, I was asking him, like, I couldn't figure out what he was doing in his free time. Like, (laughs) like all the things. Um, But I need someone who, and he was talking about how he doesn't want to eat the pizza because it's of of the, uh, you know, the refined white flour, right? I mean, I I understand, I understand uh, that that's just probably not good for you, but um. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think that I could have a, a, a guy that's too concerned about that because I really need somebody who is going to be willing to, you know, fuck up a pizza with me, right? 
and, and watch TV. Uh, yeah, but nice guy. So that, uh, he's the only one. It's, it's, it's very interesting guys here. I don't know if it's just like San Francisco or LA, but, um, guys are just kind of pussies here. You know, they're not very assertive and yeah. So I'll, we'll continue to share about my, my dating chronicles. Um, okay. Well, I will see you next week for another fucking amazing episode of an old child. It's going to be super awesome, super vulnerable, super excited for y'all to hear it. It's going to be a goodie, I promise. Don't let